Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Happy Thanksgiving. It's time for a Yak Sports Podcast. We'll talk about all the fun things related to the Turkey Day during our D block. But before then, let's talk about the other thing closely associated with Thanksgiving. And Joe Deck and I will be talking about football. And we will start with the Hokies. Um, effort, and I'm not even sure if that's the right word, against Pittsburgh, uh, their experience in in Pittsburgh this past weekend, where they got blown out 47 to 14, uh, did not score in the second half, and just put a cherry on top of what we've been saying for the last few weeks. We've been saying for the last few weeks that Fuente's got to go. What you've said since, I think legitimately when I was looking back at it, since the ODU loss. I was on the fence. And then when he lost to ODU, I said, he has to go. You cannot lose to Old Dominion and coach at Virginia Tech. Okay. So I don't know if I got the date of that, but I was going to say like mid-2018 season. And so probably early 2018 season, literally. And and I think you're right. I think you did say that as soon as we got done with uh, the ODU game. So I'm not uh, even questioning that. But you've been on this train. You're driving the train, and that's fine. You're sitting up front. Um, But I've been on it after a probation period for the last year after we got blown out by Duke. And, but a couple weeks ago, um, I was done. So here we are. And so trying to move the conversation forward, I, do you have any points to the game to talk about? I have nothing specific about that game that I choose to talk about. It just looked like All the team my, quit. It, and you know it what did. it was? It was the 2018 pit game where we just got absolutely throttled in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it's sad that, you know, we're having a group conversation on text and I'm more focused on that than the game because honestly it was more entertaining. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know how, you know, yeah. happier it if you weren't me. in the group, like, if it, you weren't in the group text, congratulations. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was more, it, it captured my interest more because like we're talking about the future and the steps towards future because I'm so done with what we have now. And that's, that's the sad thing. And that doesn't make me a fake fan or not a real Hokie. I'm a real Hokie. I don't, I, I don't need anybody to tell me what I am about my fandom. I'm a real Hokie. And you know why I'm a real Hokie? Because I have a problem with his head coach. I demand better. But I'll also be here after he's gone, no matter what. No matter what happens on this world. If he wins out, keeps his job somehow, which I'm still not going to be a supportive of, and then wins a national title next year, when he's done coaching at Virginia Tech, I'll still be a fan of Virginia Tech. So I don't care what people want to apply about fandom. Yeah, so that that's the group I want to go after before we go down the other road here. Um, the group that made fun of people who had concerns in 2018 when we lose to ODU, and you know, you could start to kind of see the decline at the end of 2017 and into 2018, and then you lose to ODU, and you're like, yeah, that's not good. Um, then you go on a just cavern. Six and seven of a season. season. Yeah. yeah. You just start losing to teams you have no business losing to. Luckily, you beat UVA because their quarterback dropped the football. They handed us the football yeah. um, in overtime. Uh, and Dalton Keene saved your sorry quarterback, uh, Ryan Willis, to even get you into overtime. But anyway, um, the, the people then that saw that and said, hey, you know what? We're actually not doing a great job recruiting. Um, this guy seems to not have a quarterback or know who a good quarterback is. And he's supposed to be a quarterback guru. Um, are we? Uh, is 
are we the only ones seeing this? And everyone else is like, oh my gosh, Frank Beamer never pulled in five stars. We we don't need this. We want hard hat. Well, at the time, it wasn't called hard hat mentality. We want people who love the program and not are wishy-washy. I'm like, okay, I want people who are good. Like, and, and let's be honest, let's cut down to it, Leland. Let's cut down to the bone here. Our defense isn't good. I've said this before when they're like, we're returning all these players. Look how much, te- look how many players we're returning. I'm like, yeah, but they're bad. And yeah. eventually, if you that keep returning bad players, like. Bad players that are returning are just bad players. It doesn't mean they're going to get that better, especially when you have a coach who can't develop them. Well, and I mean, this is a first-year defensive coordinator who I think this looks like he's over his head, but I, that's what I go to with him is that I don't think he has talent. So, like, he's digging out of a hole to begin with. And so for it, he'd have been much better off coming into a defense that was a little more established than, you know, what – but. Uh, Bud Foster was, you know, gripping together last year that didn't even play that great. I mean, there was a lot of emotion on the field last year. That's the only reason we even had a positive end of the season last year. Everybody was playing on that Bud Foster emotion. And then once we got through the goodbye party to Bud Foster, and once we got through Bud Foster's last home game, like we had no emotion and we lose to, we lose at UVA. We lose to Kentucky, Kentucky at a bowl game and, and, and a game we should have won. Like, you could just see the emotion last year that we played with. And this year, other than the NC state game, I don't know how much emotion we've played with. And in these losses, generally we've been closer, but we just can't make that winning play. I mean, that's what would happen last year in the UVA game. This isn't new. Like our assessment of the current situation isn't new. It's been trending this way. You called it when it was first trickling that way. And then there's been a full flush since then. And I mean, it's just obvious to everybody. I mean, you used to complain about the, you know, the happy people on Twitter that's like, oh, it's all great. It's fine. You know, just look past this. That there, those people are pretty much silent now. I mean, you. Oh, you yeah. No, really they're silent. Or there's people them. sitting there going, well, what did Frank do in his first five seasons? As if that's even comparable. Uh, well, that's, I mean, yeah, it's just, I, I'm not even giving those people crap. I mean, if, if we're going to. Those I people mean, just need to delete their Twitters. Like, seriously. Yeah. What did Abe Lincoln do when he coached a football team? Like, who cares? Like, like, what are we comparing to here? We're going to go back how long? I mean, 20, 30 years in college football is 200 years. One of these like, guys inherited a program that was a loser, and the other guy inherited a program yeah. that had the country's longest bowl streak that he's going to kill yeah, either once, this year and once, or next year. And once you go to a national championship, the world you lived in in 1992 is no longer there. So it doesn't yeah. matter. So let's – Look at this. We all want we all want Fuente gone. There's there's no real debate on anybody we talk to, even our guests that we come on this program. Uh, you know, certain media guys probably aren't going to just say that, but the ones that have you know hokey opinion, Cody agrees. You know, he's he's on Twitter. You know, has his personal uh, opinion. Before that way. we go to this limitations and and what you're going to say, which isn't wrong, let's let's talk about the other stupid thing that was said in a press conference, which is a theme in the Justin Fuente era it's too. Not- is not saying intelligent things. Uh, when, oh, is that part Post of your game thing? Press conference. Is that part of your thing? I didn't see. No, it. it's fine. Just go. Post game press conference. Fuente is himself. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't want to answer anything. Mike, uh, frequent guest of the podcast. Mike Barber friend, asks. Good friend of the podcast. Yeah, friend of the podcast asks. Have you thought of taking over play calling duties? You know, like he did at Memphis when you know his offenses were good. Um. And he says, that's the most ludicrous crap I've ever heard. And then I replied, now this is where I'll 
to, to my own horn. Most liked tweet I've ever had. It's 57 likes. I loved it. Uh, Barber even liked it. But it, I said, well, not as ludicrous as the idea of keeping him around another year, but okay. And then, yeah. you know, I did the, the proper thing, thanking Mike Barber for asking a tough question of a coach, um, which is a fair question. He might not like it. Support from people. Yeah, yeah. He, he might not like it, but it's a fair question. Why, why, why don't you? When you score 14 points against a defense that hasn't stopped anyone all year, why not consider maybe some play calling changes? When your offense looks anemic, why not consider making some play calling changes? Oh, it's because yeah. Cornelson's your friend and you've tied yourself to that stone. Okay, well, then you've sank us to the bottom of the ocean. So can we just cut ourselves of this so we don't drown with you? And I don't like the response to the question because, okay, let's translate it to what it probably is today or something. Like, not post-game, not where you have the emotion of getting beat. He's not considering doing, like, like maybe at the time, yeah, I haven't thought of that yet, but... You know, we need okay, to assess. Well, then go to your to coach. Just handle the question better. But instead, he just over the top, like that's the most ludicrous crap I ever had from an, a legitimate person asking question. Like he doesn't, he doesn't even have the feel of the room, the re, the feel of the Hokie Nation, the guy that's presenting our story to the to the fan base. He doesn't even have the awareness to handle that in a better way. And that's not the only case. Again, this isn't. This time, this isn't this game where we looked bad, where we get pounded by a four and four team. This has been happening, and he has always been closed walled. Doesn't want to let the guys in. I mean, his like the only jokes he makes to these guys are jokes about him having to sit there and answer questions. Like it's 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 not Marshawn Lynch. This isn't a funny sideshow. This is disruptive to the culture of hokey football, and it's been going on for too long. Well, and the other thing is like. Okay, if you if you haven't thought about that yet or anything, just give us the coach speak there and just say, look, uh, obviously the offense wasn't good today. We'll take a look at we'll take a look at everything and you know reexamine things. We'll take a look at every approach to try to improve or something. You don't have to say yes. Yeah. We're going to change who's play calling, but you don't like yeah, you said. Are, you don't give they... that answer and, because it just feeds into like, wow, this guy is totally tone deaf and has no idea what's going on in his own program. He can't see it. And, and even like I haven't thought I haven't even considered that because we've been so committed to the plan at hand, but we will need to examine all of our options, though. I don't see that happening. That would even be a better way of handling that. That's still saying it ain't happening, but like handle it like you're talking to a person that's going to spread this message. And it's just I'm just it's tired so tone of deaf after you get rocked and your offense has stunk. For the last I, I'm tired weeks. of the pandemic being used as an excuse to like, oh, you know, it's so hard with covid and everything. I'm like, yeah, OK, everybody else is dealing with covid, too. Like, oh, that's 100 percent. And that's a point that I have here. Like our dealing with COVID is no different than every other college football team in the nation. Maybe we haven't handled it as well. The only way that COVID is a difference between teams is if you've handled it really well and it hasn't impacted you much. It's a bonus. But everybody has the negative from it. Everybody has the worry, the procedures, the potential of people being out, people being out like everybody's dealing with this. Indiana's coach seems to be doing okay they're overachieving the 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 top four teams yeah coastal carolina seems to be so, winning cincinnati seems yeah, to be winning with covid but like yeah yeah top four or five teams where we want to be that's the reason we hired you is to get up into there and you're heading us in the opposite direction everybody like clemson's had all kinds of guys test positive they still found a way to win a bunch of games they're not blaming that notre dame <laughs> loss i mean they lost their quarterback <laughs> because of that about. they're still close they're handling it they're <sighs> handling it. they're still in the playoff picture like they're not losing four straight games. They're not losing to a four and four team that that 
that we really do have more offensive talent, especially on the field in that game. They were missing five offensive starters. They're missing their best receiver. We had more offensive talent on that field, and we couldn't do anything in the second half. Just, just ridiculous. So we all want him gone. We have limitations around the program, financial limitations that are honestly probably more visible because of COVID, because Whit Babcock has to send a letter out in August, September to everybody saying, hey, we're going to be $50 million down because we don't have fans in the stands because of everything. We're going to be $50 million down. Now he's figured out ways to try to cut that number down and cut that to be less of a problem, but that is a problem nonetheless. The problem we have is that this contract that we have with Fuente includes these buyout numbers that's sitting at $12.5 million right now. December 15th, it goes down to $10 million. So any, any word of fire him tomorrow isn't going to happen. They're going to save $2.5 yeah. million by waiting till then. And that's probably something I didn't really recognize and two weeks ago as well. I'm fine. I'm that's, fine with waiting until it's $10 million. To save $2.5 million, we need that money to pay another coach. Um, and then from there... There's, I think, a quarterly, like four payments to pay out that $10 million. Um, now, there is room for negotiation with that. Would, is, is Fuente going to take less money? No, but how it gets paid out probably could be discussed because I think at some point, especially if this goes as poorly these next three weeks as I think it's going to go, uh, you know, he might want out as much as we want him out. Like, he might like want to wash his hands of this and not saying he's going to take any less money, but he might make the financials kind of work in favor of doing this. So I'm, I'm hopeful for that, but it's real. Nonetheless, that's real money. $10 million is a lot of money for any football program. I know South Carolina just fired their coach. The 12 million they have to pay that guy is significant in their money, but it's just more significant for us because we don't have that great fundraising that those sec schools traditionally have other schools around the nation traditionally have also to pay out that kind of money. It's not just Whit Babcock saying go. It's a board of visitors decision. And that's a that's a people that are looking at the university as a whole, how much money they're losing, the public image of them furloughing teachers, firing people or, you know, letting people go, not hiring back. There's a big financial crisis across Virginia Tech's campus, same as it is across most campuses across the nation. And then also, like, why are they, you know, pay this money to a guy when we're laying people off. And then also knowing you're going to have to fill that seat too, when they're not filling seats around the campus. So there's a big image factor that has to get taken care of. I think the worse it goes, the better it is that we have a different coach next year, but I'm still worried that in this world of COVID and um, all the challenges that Whit Babcock has in front of them and all the, you know, approvals that other than just Whit Babcock have to deal with, if we're going to be able to make this move. And that's that's a general feeling on Twitter. I think every art, legitimate article being written right now at least includes that kind of information. But, Joe, I'll let you make your point, which you've, you've made fully, is that it doesn't matter what the cost is. The cost is worse if we don't do this this year. Yeah, it, it, I'm not ignoring the fact that there's a buyout, and it's going to be hard to get the financials to work, and it may be – you know, a bigger hole for Virginia Tech than they want to have if they have to let him go this year. But I think your problem, and this is going to get presented to the Board of Visitors as well, I think with Babcock would present it this way, football is the thing that makes us money. And we're going to lose our fan base if we don't can this clown now on December 15th. And I think 
in order to get, they're going to do a cost benefit analysis and they're going to say, okay, yes, this is going to sting to let him go and have to do this buyout. But if we don't, we risk losing the fan base for good until we have a coach who just absolutely overachieves and gets us in a conference championship game. And I don't know if you want to bank on that having to happen quickly to recoup the money and save yourself. Yeah. Because each year that that goes on, that's a year you're going to lose fans and they're going to go somewhere else. The casual fans will go somewhere else and the investors won't invest. Yeah. It's a dangerous time for the economy. So you need to be convincing people now that the program is worth investing money in, not saying, well, you know, wait and see. And also you just had, you're just having a season right now where season ticket holders weren't sitting in that stadium. I got news for you. How It'd be, motivated are it they going to be, be coming back to the stadium next year? They're going to let their t- they can let their tickets go if they're going to come back to Fuente or come back to a coach that they're not excited about. I, um, I don't. I I agree with your points that it's important. I think, you know, I probably didn't accept that game was going to be a loss until the middle of the third quarter. You know, oh, like I even knew at it. Halftime, I texted I like, you okay. this. I texted you in the morning of the game. When we had different picks oh, on different you're, games. Yeah, but you're and, always more negative. Maybe. And I said, wait, that wait, one wait. is like the most confident I am in getting right. Like that tech is you, not going to win. You've wanted him gone for two and a half years. I'm behind you a little bit on my lack of code. At halftime, I still thought, okay, like Mm-mm. some of these games we have come better in the second half. Let's see what we can do here. And then so like then that second half deteriorated. I, I like for the sake of what I want to happen, how much outrage there appears to be on Twitter. Now, Twitter is not going to fire this guy. But also the former players having a lot of lot of impact, I I think means something. I you know they have connections straight to that program. It's not just on Twitter. It's not just you know what Kevin Jones might say on Twitter. It's these guys that like do have the ear of people inside that university that that matter. And like when Bruce Smith says, "Man, this is embarrassing, guys." You know how does Whip Babcock kind of react to that? So I do think that helps the cause. I'm just I guess still pessimistic with looking at the whole thing that this will happen in two weeks, three weeks. We'll talk about it again. We have a bye. Thank goodness. That's what I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving that we don't have to lose this weekend. Um, but then we play Clemson, which is a loss. We're just going to lose that game. And then we play UVA. And I am saying right now, I do not care what happens in that game. I don't care if we go out there and beat UVA 50 to nothing. I want Fuente gone, mm-hmm. but I just think the, the athletic department, the board of visitors are going to use any ideas they can have of a positive or something to keep him there, to not take that loss on. And I'm just still sitting at that point that I just, what I want to happen, I don't think is going to happen this year. I just, I have, I dream, I dream it will. You, and I, I, I don't argue the fact that it needs to happen. I just, I'm worried that the people making those decisions are going to weigh this in a way that it doesn't go our way. I don't think you get to be, in the position those people are by being short-sighted. I think they're going to be looking at the bigger picture. And that's why I think win or lose the UVA game, I think he's gone because the fans have turned on him. I hope so. He's lost the fans. So. He's lost. He, if he hasn't lost players in the locker room, it's a miracle. He's lost former players. He's lost fans. He's lost donors. And like you said, there were no fans allowed this year. And Virginia Tech can be thankful for that. Yeah. Virginia Tech should be thankful that there is living. no fans in the stands because if there were fans in the stands, then you'd have the ugly reality of no one going to the game because of how bad you are. Not because oh, yeah. they're not allowed in. They wouldn't go because you're terrible. 
And, and it's it, this yeah. team is just again, and you said it next year. I know everyone is eligible for a bowl this year, but there are some bowl games being canceled because the companies and the sponsors pull out and then the bowl can't afford to do whatever it wants to do. Um, but what happens if Virginia Tech is four and seven and they're they're on the outside looking in? Because some of yeah, these bowls you, you won't like be able to... The travel won't... Eligible. Yeah, travel has been one of Virginia Tech's biggest things. Well, one, the fan base is no about ready to kill their coach. Two, some of these bowl games will have limited capacity anyway. So that doesn't matter as much because you're going, all right, well, can't we get... In a way that can't we get half the stadium full of anyone's fans? So um, they're going to be looking at other teams. Virginia Tech, if if they don't miss their... If the bowl streak doesn't end this year and Fuente is around next year, I have no doubt that it ends next year. And at that point, it's too late. Yeah. Because the only thing Virginia Tech has in terms of national relevance left is the bowl streak. And when that ends, Virginia Tech is nothing. And they would have been nothing for a decade. All right. So, all right. We want him gone. Who do we want in there? I don't know. I have three names written down there. Say one of those names or tell me another name that I'm not talking about. You have Luke Fickle here. I think there's a zero chance that we get Luke Fickle. I think we don't get him because I don't think he would come. And I think, I think he could get more money waiting for a better opportunity. If he doesn't get I didn't one this year, he turned Michigan state down last year. I hadn't remembered that. That's what that's what I'm telling you. He's not going to go just anywhere, so he's not coming. Yeah. He's not coming to Tech. Cincinnati. What's he waiting on Ohio State? Is, like I would say all those Ohio maybe State Ohio State, maybe Michigan. Forever. Is that what he's waiting on? Maybe Michigan, because that's going to be the same kind of money that Ohio State has. Michigan State doesn't have Michigan money. We don't have Michigan money. The only thing I think the real reason Fickle gets brain up for us, obviously, he's the hot coach with the you know a non-power five team that's you know outperforming this year. Uh, you can say outperforming Cincinnati guy. You can Wins. say that, but uh, Luke Fickle will beat any Justin Fuente team from now until the end of time. He's, dude, I don't. Okay, yeah, Justin Fuente sucks. What? <laughs> I don't think Cincinnati's like, overachieving. Yeah, I think I don't think Cincinnati's overachieving. I think they're a legitimately good football team. Okay, it's a team that's catching like I don't. I don't. Know. Sorry, I used the wrong words. They're a team that is like doing well this year. That isn't Alabama, Clemson is in a blue blood. So, of course, that head coach is going to get a lot of attention. You know, power five teams looking for a coach like Michigan, like any other big school, is going to be looking at that kind of guy. Um, he has Cincinnati. He's from Cincinnati. Whit Babcock, that's where he was AD before he came to us. So there's those Cincinnati ties and even still strong there. So you wonder if there's a relationship there. Uh, Buzz Williams and uh, Whit Babcock had ties before – uh, he came here. So like you kind of look at some of that kind of stuff. Do, will that play a factor? Another name that gets thrown around Todd Grantham. He played for the Hokies in the early nineties and then immediately started coaching for him uh, in the early nineties. I guess he was here in the late eighties playing. And then, um, and then he's gone on to coach other places. He's the defensive coordinator at Florida. Florida's having a great season. Um, they've a really good season. Uh, they've had strong defenses these last years. His name's getting thrown around. Torian Gray has been on his staff down there. Uh, he's a more recent Virginia Tech coach. People are looking at him as a possibility. Um, he's 54, so he's like 10 years older than the other two guys I have on this list. He's uh, than Fickle um, and uh, Shane Beamer, who we'll talk about in a minute. 
I am, I would love to get a younger guy and like, but, and let him like cook on this program, but you're gonna have to see something. And that's what I was hoping to see from Quinte. I, I didn't want, um, you know, you bring up less miles in the past. Other people brought up, uh, during the last coaching search, some older other coaches that were older. I, I, I'd rather have the next guy that's going to like really be his program for a long period of time. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe Todd's that guy. I just, I would like the extra 10 years than, than what we would be getting out of other guys. Yeah. Or getting out of him that we could get out of other guys. Yeah. I, I'll say, you know, you brought up Shane Beamer. We'll go to him next. Yeah. Uh, well, Let's go with, there. yeah. Okay. With Todd Grantham, I don't know. I don't have strong feelings either way. And Shane Beamer, what worries me is something that I saw that you liked on Twitter. And it's true. If you bring in Shane Beamer and it yeah. doesn't work, that is a new low point for the program. One, yep. because of just we're the facts of it didn't now. work. Yeah, you're worse off than you were now. But also, you're firing the son of the legendary coach that built you. Now, yep. on the flip side, if it does work, I think Shane Beamer might be the closest thing to a lifer that Virginia Tech can find in, in the yes. market. And that would be the only positive news. I, maybe Shane Beamer stays until he's 70, if it works. But... I don't know. I, I initially, when they started talking like two or three weeks ago, when we started, you know, people were, it's a common conversation on Twitter that Fuente needs to go. Shane Beamer's name's getting thrown out. I was like, I don't know. Is he ready yet? Like, I always thought when we were, like, when we were hiring Fuente, Shane Beamer's name came up. I was like, whoa, he's too young. He's just too young. I agree. And um, I think it would have been a bad idea to like, go from Frank Beamer to Shane Beamer. I think that would have been a disaster. It, Yes. And there it is four years later. And it's like, well, is he even ready now? Like I would have maybe liked to see him be a head coach at like a non-power or even an FCS school or something to like get him in that role, you know, and get some experience in that role. But he's been a good program since he was assistant coach at Virginia Tech. He was at Georgia. He was at um, he's been at Oklahoma now for a few South years. Carolina. So like he's seen a lot of winning football with with good coaches at, above him. And the thing that like I really like about Shane that I that I think could be a great thing for for us is that he's a good recruiter. And that's mm -hmm. why he like South Carolina loved him when he was down there because he was recruiting the heck out of guys. That's what he does at Oklahoma. He gets really good guys in there. He is the lead recruiter on a lot of the great talent that those schools are pulling in. We need that. We need we need someone like that to come in and just take him to the beach, take him to the seven five seven and let him go like find us guys and get these in-state guys to stay here and come to Virginia tech. That's what we need. I think he's capable of that. That's why if we do hire Shane Beamer, that will be great. He's going to go recruit the heck out of some guys. He's going to bring some guys to us. He knows the history. He's going to relate it to the good history. And that's what we got. Now I am worried about other things, but I do think the positives of bringing him in are as the recruiting, but also I think we could maybe I think we could get a little bit of a deal on him. We could, might be able to pay him a little bit less, a little bit of a hometown, a hometown discount, just a touch more than someone like Luke Fickle, who's going to be top dollar maybe. And also Todd Gantham, I think is going to be more expensive than what Shane Beamer is coming as, you know, an assistant, not a coordinator position. I think he's cheaper. Also, you know, come back home. I, I think you could have that conversation. What I presented on a text message to other people this weekend was just go with a, a longer contract than you would want, you know, like normally you start with a four or five year contract for a new coach, give him a seven year contract and say, look, these first <laughs> four years, buyout is nothing. Hey, Hey, <laughs> only if dude, the buyout is zero. Dude, 
but dude, seven years. Let's just listen to a second because you've already said it. If we fire Shane Beamer, the program's worse than it's ever been. So like you just have to fully, you just have to fully invest. And obviously I say this thinking he's as good as other people think he can be. I I don't know. I don't know everything for him, but go with him. Go first four years. Hey, we got to pay him off this clown over here. We're financially strapped. You're not going to get this. You're going to get at most this much money anywhere else. Come home, get this thing turned around. You're going to have some time to breathe on this. You're not getting thrown out immediately. We're going to get this other coach paid off. You're going to have these first four years where you're a little underpaid. And then the price goes up. You're five, six, and seven. You're going to be a much better paid coach, whether you've really won a whole lot yet or not, because we're not still paying off that other coach. Work out a contract where you have a front-ended hometown discount with some back in there. And then if it's failed, we're so screwed anyway. We are beyond screwed. If it if it hasn't been turning around in those first four years, we're so screwed anyway that we're back to another financial problem in six years. But I, I just wonder if you can get a little bit of a discount with this guy. Like, who else are we getting that we can afford? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I also don't know how Luke, how attractive of a job this is anymore. But nobody for at Virginia Shane Tech Beamer, wants to I say that. Yeah, but I'm saying for your generic candidate. I don't know how attractive of a job this is anymore. Everyone wants to just be like, oh, my gosh, it's Virginia Tech. And I'm like, yeah, oh, my gosh, it's so Virginia then, Tech. We haven't won a conference title in 10 years. So then we're going to have to pay them, and we don't have money. Yeah, and, and I will say this. I think Shane Beamer helps you on the money because I think – I think the name Beamer helps you in fundraising. I think people will just, the old, old money will be like, oh, we loved Frank. This is his son. Great. And And especially if he came in here and like starts actually recruiting, you get some good guys out of 757 all of a sudden back. You get a a D'Angelo Hall equivalent back in here. You know, someone with a little bit of spark from the 757 in-state, that's even more money going to be being dumped in here. That's true. The first in-state recruit with some hype that he lands people will donate money because that's something we haven't yeah. done. We've gotten, you know, even the Texas kids we get, they end up decommitting before they sign anyway. So Fuente is going to have the last place recruiting class in the conference. And I just, you know, hard hat mentality and whatever. I mean, the hard hat's been caved in and we have, you know, the theoretical person with the hard hat mentality has CTE because he's just been getting bludgeoned over the head. The thing I kind of came back to thinking about this conversation today is like we've been inconsistent and that's the problem. And and like, and that's why I haven't been full. He's got to go like you have is because there would be like, okay, well maybe this is back in the right direction or okay. We have this, but the inconsistencies, the, the highs have never been high enough to take care of these ultimate lows. We lose to ODU. We lose to Liberty. We lose other games, even in the ACC that we should. I mean, getting blown out at home to Duke. Like, it just can't happen. These lows are terribly low. And then you start looking at the highs, and it's, oh, we beat West Virginia in a season opener when West Virginia really wasn't that good. Oh, we went down to Florida State and won a season opener when Florida State was awful, and we didn't know that yet. Oh, we beat Wake Forest last year because all the kids were playing with a lot of emotion because we were saying bye to Bud well, Foster. And also and Wake Forest I just said the good. word Wake Forest. <laughs> You know, like, like, what are we talking about here? We haven't beat anybody substantial. Like we, we played Clemson tough in the first, in the ACC championship game. That's been the best game he's ever coached. That's all Beamer's guys. And that's the best game he's ever coached. Yeah, it is. It is. We lost to Tennessee earlier that season, freaking Tennessee. Like what? Like it's just been so inconsistent and, and nothing. The positives are so mediocre and it is just, 
it's just it's just disappointing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you saw the UVA game. Uh, I don't know if it was on TV yeah. or not, but they played Abilene Christian. All, like, RSN. Sure. Um, they played Abilene Christian. They blew him off the face of the earth like UVA is supposed to do, 55-15. Apparently there was some, I don't know, Abilene Christian and UVA apparently don't get along some for some reason during the game. I don't know. I wasn't really paying too much attention to it. All I know is I no if you're UVA and you have beef with Abilene Christian, I think that says more about your program than it does Abilene Christian. But okay. I, I was already pretty negative Saturday. I didn't turn over to the UVA game. <laughs> like that just that's, I'll say that's this. Because I was so already <laughs> ready for us to get annihilated by Pitt that it didn't affect my Saturday. I watched good games before. I watched good games during the Tech game. Uh, well, another good game during <laughs> yeah. the Tech game and then yeah. flipped it off midway through the third quarter to watch another good game. And then yep. I watched good games at night. Like, I had fun Saturday watching actual good teams play. And then I got to read my coach on Twitter being like, this is ludicrous crap. Why would I do my job? Why would I want to improve? So, we can't compete with teams like so Duke like, or Pitt. Like I said, we have a bye this week, so we don't have to watch a loss. Yeah. And uh, then we'll Happy have Clemson after that. Anyway. So that'll be a fun thing to preview next week. Uh, UVA has Florida State at 8 o'clock. Hey, guess what network it's on on uh, on Saturday night? Who cares? Okay, it's Florida State. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> Who cares? Last, at this at this uh, point, if you're a UVA fan, about- get something different. Like for the three months of college football, just get Hulu or whatever, and then switch back to Comcast or whatever you they, do. You know, I I understand that concept. I hate that the ACC is allowing games to be played with this. That's my point that they're using this as a carrot on a stick situation. I, I, I hate that how obvious they've made it that they're playing games with the fans in the ACC and the ACC's allowing it. I, that's what I hate. I understand the concept that someone can go get Hulu or whatever, but this is a, this is a problem right now. All the ratings are down. No one's sitting in the stadiums, and all these programs are going to act like everything's just going to go back to normal next year. A, we don't know what COVID is going to do in the next yeah. uh, year. You know, it was supposed to disappear last week, so I don't know what we're going to do here yeah. in, a, in the yeah. year. Yeah. But um, we have – but also these people have gotten used to not coming to the stadium, and they've gotten used to, you know, maybe not watching it on TV every single week if you have Comcast. You know, if they've learned to live with it and they've, you know, spent more time with their family and, and want to get in, and deprioritizing – this spending money for extras and this and that. I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's bad. Yeah. It's a bad timing to be playing games with the fans interest. Let's well, talk about some you, of those other good games. I was going to say you, you hate having the Fuente conversation every week. I hate having this conversation every week. I'm, I'm choosing between two evils in Comcast and the ACC. Uh, no I'm one wins. That the ACC control the situation that the ACC tell ESPN to figure it out and get it done. Yeah, no one wins, okay? The fans don't win. If Comcast wins, fans don't win because Comcast is probably going to up your charge anyway because they're the devil. But anyway, let's talk about Liberty. Um, NC State did this crazy thing of not calling a timeout to ice a kicker at the end of the game. And so when they blocked the field goal, it actually won them the game against Liberty. So Liberty is undefeated no more. Uh, And congratulations to NC State, I guess. Uh, on winning a game against a team that shouldn't have been ranked when they came in, but they were because the other coach in the ACC doesn't know how to use timeouts. 
Although, it, if it helps, he wasn't trying to freeze the kicker. He was trying to make sure he had the right personnel on the field. The personnel that blocked the kick. And then when he had the right personnel on the field, they didn't block the kick. So, Oh, if you had the right personnel Maybe on the field. that's another oh. reason we should move on from Fuente, because he doesn't know who the right personnel are. Uh, I that's the only I picked a bunch of the, uh, you know, Cinderella's to lose. I picked them all to lose on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That's like the only one I got right. So yeah. I, I was I was happy with that. Do you USC, catch the uh, uh, I was going to say, did Utah, you ca- I was right? Yeah, because I switched it just so uh, <laughs> we have a different game late. So that's why I haven't talked crap about it. Whatever. Um, Oklahoma trounced Okie State. I said in week zero of the season or minus one of the season, whatever it was in August, I said, hey, Oklahoma State might be pretty good. Uh, they might, you know, surprise you in that conference. And then they went and like barely escaped with a victory against some terrible team. And I said, no, they're fake. They're fake. And so with the fact that they were still undefeated until now or whatever, it, I I never had any faith that, that I was going to be right about. I knew they were bad. So it surprised me nonzo that Oklahoma completely rocked them. Oklahoma has kind of got things together now. Um, I mean, they're playing better football. It, it doesn't mean anything. They're going to win that conference. That's about all that means. Did you see the the big surprise of the weekend? Northwestern taking out Wisconsin. Yeah, so this nice. was the big surprise of the weekend for me. This was the yeah. biggest game. Because I went in there thinking Wisconsin was actually going to expose Northwestern. And Wisconsin's quarterback, who's actually really good, I think he had, what, five turnovers in the game? Or Wisconsin yeah, had five got, turnovers got, in the game. He, he may have had four. Like he what he yeah. yeah. Northwestern wins a defensive slugfest 17 to seven, uh, which I thought was impressive. Northwestern. I mean, I'm all in on Northwestern to win the big 10 now, but uh, they're not <laughs> going to, they're going to get killed by Ohio yeah. state, but I mean, they're playing, they have more talent on that bless team their than hearts. we're used to seeing Northwestern. Yeah. Bless their hearts. Uh, wish them the They've best. improved their facilities. That coach is good. If they can keep that coach there a couple more years, you know, like two more years, they could really set that that program in a really good direction because then he'll leave after that. So um, hold on, Leland, because I want to come back to the other two games you have in between there. I want to go to the other marquee game. That was the big noon game in the Big Ten. The uh, I told you midway through the second quarter that Ohio State had the game locked up. Indiana comes back. They try. But I told you before that drive even started and. I made a joke <laughs> that we won't repeat on the podcast so people don't get upset. But um, it just, Indiana just didn't have enough. Like they weren't going to have enough. And they didn't. Like th- the last drive is when Ohio State's defense was like, looked around and was like, wait, guys, we're Ohio State. And just Indiana didn't have a prayer. But, but even 42 to 28 is, is Indiana better than I probably would have assumed they were this season. So I'm no. still giving them credit that they're 42 a little bit they're better about than right. I thought they were. Yeah, 42-35 is better. I guess 42-28 is only 14 points, but I don't know. I just – I didn't think they had a chance in this game. They they ended up with an opportunity to tie the game or win the game at the end, and they didn't. They didn't convert. Um, but their defense is really good. I just wish their offense had. But they gave up forty-two to Ohio State. That that shows you how good Ohio State is. Yeah, I just wish I just wish their offense had been able to resemble an offense more in the first half than in the second half. The second half they played a lot better, um, and that's that's a sign of good coaching. They were able to make adjustments and make it a game there in the second half. But I do. I also want to talk about the darlings of the college football season, the Cinderellas, if you will, the bells of the ball, Cincinnati. They How end many up did you going give this in. this kind of credit to before you landed on Cincinnati? Hmm? 
<laughs> yeah, no, I don't remember any of the others. I don't know what you're talking Including about. Including the team they just beat this weekend. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, Cincinnati is the team I've loved all season long. They've been yeah, so great. Uh, they played a very good UCF team. Most years I like UCF, but this year, obviously, um, while they're still very good, they're just not that kind of special that Cincinnati is this year. That's why Cincinnati's going to win the American Athletic Conference, go undefeated, and deserves a playoff spot. Now we'll see... Uh, Either this podcast will drop right before the playoff rankings are revealed, or if you're lucky, maybe we got to post it on Monday night. It's posted um, before the rankings are revealed. So we'll see what the playoff committee thinks. But I think Cincinnati is deserving of at least the number five ranking. I think for they'll the playoff be sitting rankings. there right outside the top four, right, probably right at five or six. And I, I, I think that's fine. Those rankings are people putting it together, and they're creating a TV show. And they're going to set those teams right outside the top four so they could get slid up in there if they need to. Um, or they might get just left right there if they need to. So I think that's where they will get them put, and I think that's fine. I'm fine with them having an opportunity to be in there. They're going to need some help still. They're going to need some help still. Yeah. And we'll get to something that I'll, I've changed on who I'm rooting for now. Uh, who are you rooting for? Oh, we'll get to that in a second. Um Coastal Carolina, the other Cinderella, <laughs> the other Cinderella ended up winning against Appalachian State, which is a dynamite team. So Appalachian State's two losses are to two teams who are undefeated in Marshall and Coastal Carolina. And I know folks are like, oh, Marshall and Coastal Carolina. I'm sorry. You haven't watched football if you haven't watched those two teams, because they're both really good teams that Appalachian State lost to. Now, Appalachian State's quarterback was a bit iffy in this ball game, and probably was <laughs> iffy in the Marshall game. And that's what cost him the game. Uh, he just had a few throws that were just a little off target. It really helped Coastal. And uh, the Chanticleers end up clearing Appalachian State and winning a big, big game, which I think basically cements the Sun Belt for them. I, I don't see them losing a game now. They're going to go undefeated. They'll play Liberty. I think they'll beat Liberty. I thought they were going to beat Liberty before Liberty lost to NC State. So, um, I, I, of course, I like Coastal Carolina more Root so board, now. I think it'll happen either way. I I don't know. I, I'll listen to Cincinnati. I don't think they have the same kind of talent that we're used to seeing in Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Uh, but I think they're well coached, and I think they do have enough talent because you, you only need so many guys on the field at one time. And the fact that Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State are four deep with great players doesn't always matter in a one-game situation. So I'm fine talking about Cincinnati having their opportunity. Watching the talent level of Coastal Carolina, I think it's great that they're undefeated, but they are nowhere close to the same so talent level as those other teams with the guys on the field. Their starting people are just not there. I mean, out of the teams you just talked about, Appy State, Coastal Carolina, and you brought back Liberty, the best player is Liberty's quarterback, and then the rest aren't starting for any of these other playoff teams. So any conversation around coastal Carolina deserving some kind of chance, I, I don't, I'm not listening to because I, they're just not as good. And this is not a sport where 64 teams make a tournament. This is a sport that has always had people sitting there and saying they're in, they're in. It used to just be, Hey, they're the winner. Now it's now these people have a chance. Coastal Carolina doesn't deserve to be in that conversation. If they can make it to a New Year's Six game, fine. But they that it, it's the eye test alone. It, they don't have it. 
It's great. It's great that they're undefeated. You win all the games, get put in front of you. Great. Go do it. Marshall, go do that too. But they're not as good. They're not as good as the teams that matter. And I'm at the point where I just only care about the teams that matter. I spend too much time on Twitter talking about teams that don't matter in the FCS that I'm not going to pretend that this Coastal Carolina team deserves more of the credit than they deserve. They don't have the talent that I just wish I just wish the, the FBS was a place where we could actually settle that on the field, but we we don't. The FBS it's will not. Ne- it's never been, and I I don't think they, they don't want it to be. That's the other decisions thing. want it to be that either. They want the blue bloods every year. Well, which is a shame because I think they're underestimating the power of of the dark horse and the Cinderella. That's why people love March Madness is because the Cinderella gets in there they and like occasionally it the opening weekend upsets but then people. When the Cinderella, when George Mason makes it to the final four, it's the lowest rated final four game in a decade. I mean, that's, that's why, that's why the people making financial decisions don't want them there. Okay. Put them in the people game. Don't tune in on final four weekend to watch George Mason. They tune in to watch Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and UNC and well, then why? Michigan here's State. okay. Then here's my question: Why even let the other schools play? Why not just pick your your blue blood programs? Because have them be in their own separate league. Uh, hey, hey, hey! Quiet, tournament. quiet, quiet down, quiet down. Just, just say these are their own. This in each different sport, there will be different leagues, and you say, all right, these are our blue bloods in football. These are the only teams that will ever have a shot at the national championship in football. We'll have them play each other, and whoever's the best out of the Blue Bloods will win the national championship. Everybody else, you're not playing for the actual national championship. You're playing for something else. Because if that's all we care about, and we're not actually trying to, you know, make college football an enjoyable product, then what are we doing? I mean, A, I think we will be to a point where the Power Five, and it might turn out to be six then, but a power group of teams might break away from the NCAA and control their own postseason, and we'll have exactly that. B, the reason it's not just six teams and that those six teams figured out over the year, because they got to play 10 games throughout the season. So you're going to put those other, you're going to create enough. Yeah, but why not even care? Why even care what happens in the other games? All those other teams. And they're okay. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world to have one level below the Blue Bloods kind of have their opportunity. But these teams that, Coastal Carolina, who no one has ever heard of until this year because no one pays attention to college baseball, they don't want them playing after January 1st in a national TV primetime spot. They don't want that. So they will not create a situation that's going to happen. Is it nice and cheerful to think that it would be nice if everybody had a chance? I guess it would. But college football is built on year-after-year success. It has, for the entire duration of this this game of college football, has existed. You you can be Boise State and upset somebody one time, but you got to do it year after year after year. TCU was doing it year after year after year. They worked themselves into a bigger conference where now they do have a chance. The, it's not a one-year shot wonder, and you're not going to have Coastal Carolina come in there and screw everything up, and that's because the money doesn't want it to. And I get why they don't want it to, because the viewers wouldn't be there. Joe would be excited. That's great. We're of a, I'm going to watch that game no matter what, too. It doesn't matter. But they want those fringe people for that college football playoff. And if Coastal Carolina is playing, people won't even turn it over there. They're not going to care. Yeah, but see, I think college football is more immune to the the rating hit than other sports because it's football. That's because they always. I mean, they always have blue bloods in it. Like, never not had blue bloods in it. Like, but it's also football, and people watch college football to watch college football. Like, it's it just is, 
And I, I'm glad college basketball doesn't have that stance because otherwise Gonzaga, who has become a team that is always in the tournament, and when they are, they're a high seed because they've proven they can go deep in the tournament. They've proven they belong with the Blue Bloods on the floor. They were allowed to prove that. These other teams never will. Cincinnati, here's, spoiler alert, I want Cincinnati to be in. They're not going to let Cincinnati in. They will, they, need help. they won't say it, but they they might as well send a letter to Cincinnati that says, no way in hell are you playing in our playoff. <laughs> we tell you you're part of the FBS, but you're not part of the college football playoff FBS. And you can go out and you can beat every team by 100 points. We will never let you in. You can play Florida or Texas A&M or whoever the team that we leave out ahead of you is and you can go out and wax them by a hundred points in the bowl game and go up undefeated the next year winning every game by a hundred points and we still won't let you in you know why because we're not going to because we're the big bullies so my thing is let's go ahead and make it official let's separate the five conferences and the pac-12 can then be the new the the pac-12 can be the new mac because their conference champion will never make it because they're a poop conference and we'll come in with it Honestly, if they do this, if they break away, they'll bring like an American conference equivalent with it. Like a lot of those American conference teams are probably going to come in and they will be six. Oh, I don't think so. I bet you that's how they would do it. I don't think they would. You're splitting more money then. They're not going to do that. They're going to want, they're going to want max money. Even number of conferences. They're going to want max money. Nope. But, um, yeah, despite Leland poo-pooing it, it was a good game at noon. Coastal Carolina beat Appalachian State in thrilling fashion. It was a good football game, but it was a lesser talent than most other games I watched that day. Yeah, that were of t- that were good. Like, but just to talk Indiana about where programs are, than Coastal Carolina. To just just to talk about where programs are, I would much rather watch the Coastal Carolina Liberty game than any other Virginia Tech game this year. I mean, I'll be watching Tech, but I'll watch Tech. But I'm going to enjoy the Coastal Carolina Liberty game more. Yeah, I'd rather watch Alabama and Auburn next weekend. I'd rather oh watch. Oh, my God. Um, I'd rather punch myself. I'm going to watch it, and I will punch myself while I'm watching it. But that's going to be a painful game to watch. Because Alabama's going to kill Auburn. Auburn is fake. Outside of Alabama... Maybe Florida's good. Maybe Texas A&M Alabama, is good. I'm not saying but Auburn's good. I'm just saying there's a high talent level of football being played. And if Cincinnati if they would beat Auburn. Away, there, I said it. Cincinnati would beat Auburn. I think Cincinnati would beat Ohio State. I do not. I don't know if Cincinnati can beat Alabama. To be fair, I don't think anyone can beat Alabama. But Cincinnati could beat I, Ohio I State. All right. Um, quickly... The games this weekend, there's some Thursday and then Friday. You got Iowa State and Texas, Notre Dame and UNC. And on Saturday, you got Auburn, Alabama. There's other decent games out there, but those ranked on ranked. That's the ones I grabbed to talk about. But let's talk about COVID for a minute because everybody loves how much we talk about that. Uh, 15 FBS games canceled or delayed last weekend. Three from the ACC, two from the Pac-12, one from the SEC, one from the Big Ten, and one from the Big 12. Um, the biggest one though, the one that caught the headlines was the last one that was canceled. That was Clemson and Florida state. It canceled at like 9am for a noon game. Clemson and Florida state had talked about just trying to move it later in the day to get things sorted out. Um, the crux of it is 
Clemson had a player test positive earlier in the week. He had symptoms. I guess they never really committed to a quarantine of him. No, he tested. He was around the team. He had tested negative earlier in the week. His positive test came when the third party does it the day before the game. That's the reason the third party does it. Mm -hmm. So um, I might have misunderstood that fact. But either way, they had a player that was sick during the week, uh, stayed around the team, traveled with the team. Once they got the test result back from the third party is when everybody threw their hands up from Florida State saying, hey, you just had a positive player. And they're trying to say, well, it was a false negative, this and that. I, I, let's go play is basically what Clemson wanted to do. Florida State didn't feel comfortable with that. And in the outcome of that, people from Clemson are trying to make it out that Florida State was trying to duck them and not take a 50-point loss. Um, and even more since then, Dabo Sweeney has made public comments that um, it wasn't about COVID. It was COVID was just used as an excuse, as a as a you know a meaningless pawn in this situation. Um, I I don't know. I've said negative things. I've said I I don't root for Clemson generally because I'm jealous of them. I I'm not really jealous of this situation. Um, I've said bad things about Dabo Sweeney and the result results in this podcast have been oh you don't like a coach that wins and. And I've I've said I'm jealous. That's the major thing of this. But there's something about Dabo's way has gotten old to me. I think when he first came on the scene, I was like, okay, but I've gotten tired of it. I definitely don't like this. I think this is a bad look for a top dog. Take out the, is it right for him to talk crap about a pandemic disease and make light of it and make and make, try to say that other people are using it as a pawn? It's not a good look for a top dog to say this stuff that people were, you know, scared of playing this. And this. Just take the, like you're going to be in the playoff if you win against Notre Dame. Shut up. Play next week or whatever you do this week. Play the week after against Virginia Tech. Rock them. Like just keep playing football and you're going to be where you want to be. You don't need this PR disaster that you've created with Florida State. There, like, there's no good for Clemson here. There's no win. Him opening his mouth, there was no positive for him doing that. I don't. I, I have no idea what he was thinking. But then you back up and just look at it, and he's an a-hole. Like, that's what we come to, is that he just shouldn't be saying, like, like this is life and death for a lot of people dealing with this disease. The people that actually contract the disease – it becomes a life or death situation. Uh, sure, the percentage is small, but a lot of people are really worried about this. Um, you you can't just be saying this. You just can't uh, be this obtuse. I, I'll throw I'll throw a Shawshank reference in here. You just can't like just throw it off like that. You can't. I I don't know. You just I I'm done with this talk from these college football coaches that is trying to minimize what the rest of the country, including the political leaders, are acknowledging is a big deal. Like, we we got to handle this thing. And you can't just say the heck with dealing with it for the sake of us playing football. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, that's that was my biggest problem with the whole let them play movement at the beginning. And I kind of tweeted as such today on an assistant coach, retweeting an assistant coach's stupid comments that I'll get to in a minute. But... Um, I want first want to talk about what the ACC commissioner John Swafford said this evening uh, to Andrea Adelson from ESPN. 
Uh, she said she spoke to John Swafford about the Clemson Florida State situation. Among his comments, he said he had spoken to presidents and ADs to clear the air. I don't think there's any blame here. We've got to remember the world in which we're operating in now. When asked to comment on the uh, accusations that the postponement was not COVID related, Swafford said it's unfortunate, and I don't think anyone is in a position to question the decision of a decision making of a medical officer in this type of situation. There you go. That's where the decision lies, and in the eyes of our presidents and athletic directors, that's where the decision should lie. Swafford also reiterated protocols state if the medical officers from both schools cannot agree on safety of playing, there would be no game. And everybody knew the possibility existed for a game to be called on the morning it was scheduled. It just happened for the first time on Saturday. Basically, what John Swafford is saying is, and it's exactly right, the medical doctors looked at this and said, that's not safe. And there is absolutely, you know what, Dabo, if you wanted to play the game and you had a guy who had symptoms the whole week, you don't have him travel to the game. You don't have him get on the same vehicle to travel down. It's not that hard to understand. Every other coach has seemed to figure this out. Just not Dabo, just not Clemson. And it goes on to the assistant coach now that I sent to you, and I'm going to have to pull it back up here in a, in a minute. But uh, Coach Mike Miguel Chavis, sorry. Oh, he's deleted his tweet. That's okay, because I took a screenshot just ah. in case this thing happened. So, <laughs> Showing his receipts. Yep. Uh, I thought that maybe that would happen, because, you know, an assistant coach is a total knob. Um, but anyway, he put, there's another pandemic out there ravaging our nation and it's political correctness. Um, I guess when political correctness kills over a quarter of a million Americans in, a year, in less than a year, I guess we can have a conversation about that pandemic. Until then, maybe we focus on the one that's, you know, a biological threat to the human body. Yeah, I, I'm much more okay, even if people have their own views that are, differ from mine about COVID in general, which they're out there, and that's fine. As long as you're like not getting in the way and trying to create a public image of the opposite, I I, I can live. And this is creating an image in the opposite. And you know, the political correctness thing. The only the only time I really have an argue, a problem with political correctness stuff that's happened in an increased amount in the last years is when people unrelated to either side of the situation want to tell when people should be offended. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gets on my nerves. Yeah. But under that, like being more understanding and caring for people different than yourself, I don't think it's a terrible thing. Uh, so I'll just leave that there. Um, I, yeah, I'm not impressed with what Clemson's coaching staff has done. I also think it says something when the commissioner comes out and while he doesn't say Clemson was wrong in saying this, he did. He said, uh, he said, he said that no one should be saying that this was, this decision was made incorrectly or, or, you know, yeah, no yeah, team yeah. was just using COVID as an excuse. So, so really he did say that though. He front ended it with, well, you know, we came to a resolution. I, John Swaffer's not even a great commissioner. And at least he has enough sense to say it that way. I, I don't know. Maybe Dabo just needs to shut up. I think that's what I said on the initial tweet. When I heard his comments is Dabo needs to shut up. And I, that's, I guess where I lie is he just needs to shut up coach your football team. You have every opportunity in the world to win another national championship and you speaking, I think, is the only thing that can really hinder you. That'll hinder you the most because I think you beat Notre Dame when you play him again, and then you'll see what Alabama can do against you later. But, I mean, just shut your mouth so you have an opportunity to play. Let's move on to the NFL. I was most impressed this last week with 
the I don't know. I, I tried to set it up as I've done the last couple of weeks. I, the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football. I don't think that's you know going on a limb or anything. It just seems like when they need eight yards, they get eight yards. I get confused in what happens in the second and third quarter where they get some stops sometimes where I don't understand how because it seems so easy for them at the end of that game against the Raiders on Sunday night to just boom, 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 boom down the field. We all think Aaron Rodgers is really good at that, and Aaron Rodgers did get his team down the field and to score a touchdown to tie that game on Sunday afternoon but they're spiking the ball and moving up Patrick Mahomes. Like they don't waste the time with spiking the ball. I mean, they're saving two seconds every time these other teams are spiking the ball because they already have a play ready to go. They're very well prepared to play in these games, to play tight down the stretch. They go up to the line of scrimmage, knowing what they need to do, to do and they get it done. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, he just eats defenses up. He's real. They're really good. I know my Steelers are 10 and 0. They beat the Jaguars. So that's nothing to talk about. Um, I still, I, the chiefs are the most bothersome team for me as a Steelers fan. Cause I just, they're really, really good. Uh, they definitely are more efficient on offense than the Steelers are. So that makes me worried in a game against them. I would hope our defense can disrupt that, but I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the Raiders, I'll give them credit. They got the chiefs number a little bit, you know, Andy Reed and Gruden, I believe used to be on some similar staffs or at least come from a same similar, uh, heritage of coaching. So I think there's a little bit of that going on there, and that's why they play closer and they play two times a year. And it's never that Gruden ever got that far from the game. Um, but I just I think the Chiefs are really really good, and uh, yeah, they only have one more loss than the Steelers, so I don't think it's crazy to say that they're. Pro- I'd say they're the most best team in the league. Yeah, I still think the Chiefs are better than the Steelers. Um... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm saying the same thing. I, we've, I don't think we've had the Steelers haven't had the hardest schedule. I don't think we have the hardest schedule left either. I think this this week against the Ravens is always tough against the Ravens. Uh, Ravens are going to be looking for a uh, win because they talk about that? you know lost this weekend to Tennessee. Um, they've lost what two straight? I think three straight. Three straight. You know they're going to be hungry for a win in a rivalry game. That's always a tough game. I you know maybe yeah, the Steelers, Steelers lose Pats. this week. This won't be an embarrassing loss if if they do. Uh, of course, I want to win it. I'm not giving it away. But um, I think. I, I the Steelers are there. I, I'll be disappointed if the Steelers don't make the AFC championship game at this point, being 10 and 0, seeing the games they've pulled out, especially if they win this week against the Ravens, mm. I'll be really disappointed if they really don't make a deep playoff run. If they lose to the chiefs in the AFC playoff, I'll be disappointed at the time. And I'll, I know I'll go into that game with how the Steelers are going to win it, but at least the chiefs are a good team. Um, I just I just don't want an early playoff exit from this team. And I guess I'm kind of worried an undefeated regular season might, might lead to that ultimate disappointment where they lose to someone they shouldn't lose to in that, you know, second, first or second round, whatever their first game is. Yeah, it's three out of four for the Ravens. The Colts game was in between the Steelers and the Patriots game. I've forgotten yeah, okay. about that one. Um, Colts, and then the Colts win is not a bad win. It's not a bad win, but the Ravens are six and four. Um, and before we talk about the Ravens Steelers game, uh, that was another one where the Ravens have had positive tests pop up this morning. They've had to shut down team facilities and COVID is full of people saying, Oh, like Florida state ducked Clemson. Um, Oh, the Ravens are just trying to duck the Steelers and blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. Again, if you believe that, (laughs) if you believe that just please go to a hospital and have them hook stuff up to your brain to see if there's actually like a reading and you're not brain dead. 
um, because that's what but I to think. Be fair, when I see there's them. been a lot of these teams week after week that have had early week close down the facilities and they still played that week. Yeah. There hasn't been. Well, the difference like, would be mass amount. Like the, the difference would really be trying to push these games through. The difference would be those. Most of those games are on Sundays. This one would be on a Thursday. So yeah, that's, that's a good. It, this may not be on Thanksgiving. It may have to be moved. Um, which I, whatever. We're going to lose this game, whether it's played on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever day. I hope so. We're going to lose. This team is not good enough to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. I don't know if the Ravens are going to make the playoffs just because the Cleveland Browns keep winning. So, what did the Steelers win by when we played last time? Like, we didn't blow you out. Yeah, but we're not, we're losing close games to good teams. And eventually, if you are a good team, you kind of have to win those. And the fact that we can't seem to win them starts to make me think, maybe we're not good. I don't even think the Patriots are good, and we lost to them. So the way we lost the Titans game was blowing a lead. That's a new way to lose for us. Usually we're behind, and we come up just short. This time, we just got absolutely smashed in the fourth quarter. A.J. Brown broke like seven tackles on his way to tie the game. And then in overtime, I watched Derrick Henry run into a bunch of Ravens and then run away from a bunch of Ravens into the end zone. It was very, like, yeah, it was a flashback of the playoffs. And I was like, oh, I've seen this one before. Uh, it just, it's infuriating. And Lamar Jackson says stuff, like, in the post-game press conference, like, I just feel like people want us to lose. No, I just want you to be better. That's what I want. You're just not. I, don't, I want I'm not, to lose. I'm I not necessarily saying all of this is on Lamar Jackson this week. What I'm saying is, like, eventually, you kind of just need to win. And in the fourth quarter, our offense was putrid. So, I, I don't know. It's not that I'm rooting against Lamar Jackson. It's just some of my concerns that I've had with Lamar Jackson when we drafted him are kind of coming into fruition here. Defenses had a whole year to be exposed and destroyed by Lamar Jackson and the read option. And now they're looking at it going, okay. And, and they brought it up in the Ravens-Titans game. Tony Romo said it. And it was actually, I think, the smartest thing I've heard Tony Romo say this year. Um, and I am not, you know, Tony Romo is the greatest color commentator ever. I am not on that bandwagon. So, um, but anyway. Teams are packing the box to take away the run. They're going to make Lamar Jackson throw it to the outside. And if he can throw it to the outside on the hardest throws to make in the NFL, then so be it. But teams are betting he can't do that. And so far, they've been right. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to do it, and they're going to put pressure on him, and Lamar Jackson's going to go down. It's what's happened four weeks ago or whatever it was when we played him the first time. It'll happen again Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, whenever the game is played. It'll happen this week when we play the Steelers. I have zero faith that the Baltimore Ravens will be 7-4. and four. The other team that is scheduled to play on Thanksgiving of our local teams here is the football team. They're three and seven. They beat the Bengals. Uh, another quarterback goes down on that FedEx turf. This time it's the visiting Burrow. You say you hate to see that. I I'm I've been positive about Burrow. I guess I had some doubts because of the hype from the Heisman and the national championship, and I had doubts. So I guess that's why I'm trying to like say, yeah, he's pretty good. He's done well this season even though they hadn't had the greatest record he's had them in a lot of ball games his season's done he's tore his acl mcl and whatever letters they found in his knee and uh it'll be at least next year before we see him again um but that turf takes down another guy and you brought it up as soon as it happened on saturday that 
Side yeah, here's another guy with that turf. I mean, at some point, if I'm the NFL, I'm like, hey, guys, go rip that turf up and put it put in a new field because this keeps happening up there. What, what's your grounds crew doing? Yeah, four and two years. Uh, quarterbacks having leg or knee injuries. Um, the Kyle Allen one, obviously a little bit different because that was kind of a leg whip situation a little bit. But you had Alex Smith, Colt McCoy get hurt back to back weeks. Now you have Joe Burrow. God, and I understand two years ago. What? No. That was um, only two years ago. Mm-hmm. God, Alex Smith came back quick. Maybe I'm wrong. Was that three years ago? Maybe three years. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, still, it's quick. I, I'm not really arguing your point. Uh, but, and, and Joe Burrow, you know, is two linemen rolling up on his leg a little bit. So, but it just seems like this happens a lot. And I don't know. I would like, I would like someone to look at the turf at FedEx and just tell me it's okay. Other than the football team. We need a third party in there. Like like Clemson needed a third party to run a COVID test. The football team needs a third party to come in and look at the turf. I was wrong. It's November 18th, 2018. So I was wrong. I, I mean, damn. Hey, came that is quick. two years ago. Yeah, I said I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm the one who said it was two years last year. Well, two years ago from today was November uh 23rd 2018 so uh, two years and two weeks I'll, I'll say you're right yeah i thought it was last year i thought we had lost four in uh, two years we've year lost ago. four in three years yeah um three seasons yeah three seasons okay whatever okay. i don't know i'm trying to make you right and you keep arguing with me whatever um i only want to be right when i'm actually right which when justin fuente gets fired after this year believe me there will be a victory lap coming um, and you know what? All the people who made fun of the people who complained about Justin Fuente two years ago and saw this coming, you have to eat some crow. Isn't if you want to be, if you want to make fun of people, though, like if you want to make fun of people when they bring up legitimate points and say, oh, you're just a hater. Why don't you go root for Clemson or Alabama? Uh, I would like to root for a team that isn't incompetent. That's what I would like to do. Isn't it frustrating to have this continual conversation with me and, and even other people that like, you think what we want to have happen will happen, but the, like I'm just like kind of set, like I'm I'm afraid it won't happen. I, I just bet it doesn't happen. Isn't that frustrating? Isn't it like frustrating to have that? Not when I prove, not when I'm proven to be right. Then it's like, thank you. Maybe next time. Because you'll like listen. all the time when you say stuff that's just like you're just. Isn't it frustrating that you know, hey, we what we want to have happen as a fan or or as a person that likes this league or anything? Isn't it frustrating that like you think it'll it, it'll just definitely go the way you want. And I acknowledge that's the way we want, but I just don't think it'll happen that way. Isn't it frustrating just continually having that conversation with me and other people that like, just no matter what you say, no matter what the is like, man, I'm just, I'm just pessimistic. It'll, it'll be that way. Like, isn't it frustrating? Isn't it tough? Cause you're like that continually. You're like so often, like it can never be like, even in basketball season, I'm like positive last year. Like, ah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, we do win some of those games. Like, that Duke game, like, two years ago, I was like, yeah, and I was wrong. Really I was, this game. And you're like, oh, that's crazy. I mean, there's no way. We'll just get blown out in this game. And, like, mm-hmm. like you don't really acknowledge when you're wrong on those. And now this that's one, not like, true. I hope to God you're right. I hope to God you're right on this one. I hope we get rid of Fuente. But, like, yeah, like, I am a little bit more pessimistic about that. This Is it frustrating for you to have to deal with this and this conversation continually? Like, I I'll tell you what's frustrating, you, but I just. I'll tell you what's frustrating. You saying I don't admit when I'm wrong. I absolutely admitted I was wrong, and you didn't let me forget it. 
Not always. You also wanted to dunk on me real quick about Ryan Willis. How'd that turn out? You dunked on yourself. Yeah, because I let you talk me into me being wrong after <laughs> one game. I try to be a good influence for for you. I try to get you a little more positive to accept what you have. And, and I like shouldn't what have you doubted have myself. Just, Ryan Willis like, was a phony. He was a he fraud. Virginia Tech hasn't had a good number five since, well, Tyrod Taylor. But before Tyrod Taylor, Al Clark. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get out of here. Uh, We're obviously going to enjoy all the football this Thanksgiving weekend. Are we not talking about the big one? The football team and the Cowboys winner probably wins that division. Do they? I think so. The Eagles' schedule is kind of difficult. Eagles can win next weekend, and then they'll be back ahead in the division. The Eagles' schedule is tougher. What I don't care. like. What do you What do you want me to say? You said it last week. Like, why are we even talking about this division? We did the whole NFL <laughs> two weeks ago. We did the whole midseason. Oh, it was a stupid division. Why are we talking about? It? And you're stopping me from a decent transition to bring up the Cowboys and the the Washington football. Because my preseason pick, the Dallas Cowboys, are alive. Let's go, Red I'll Rifle. Be eating. I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> Guns up, Red Rifle. D Block time here on the X Sports Podcast. No guests this week. We didn't. We didn't even bring anybody on this week to just also tell you that Fuente needs to be fired. Um, I got. I'm hoping to get Barber on here. Uh, probably UVA week. Um, uh. He's gotten a lot of play this week because it, it was his question that we keep referencing with the ludicrous crap. Um, he deserves attention, uh, but he has a lot of roads to get that. So we'll catch up with him, uh, UVA week, hopefully. Uh, but let's move on to the D block and what is dominating my life. And I'm excited about both of these things that we're going to talk about, but I will go first and talk about the Mandalorian. We've talked about it in the past season one, you and I both watched, we talked about on the podcast season two is out now. We're four episodes in. What I have enjoyed the most has nothing to do with what's produced by Disney. My daughter, my oldest, is just so into it. She loves it. We rewatched season one. We have watched each uh, episode of season two on the day it comes out. She's right with it. I like that the Mandalorian is set up in a way that she has so much enjoyment without knowing the whole Star Wars universe. She's aware of a Darth Vader. She's aware of a Luke. But she doesn't know Tantanui. She doesn't know these little guys with the red you eyes. You don't know it. It's Tatooine. Make me yeah. have nightmares with, um, say that again. You don't know it. It's Tatooine. Tatooine. I said it wrong. Yeah, I'm not a Star Wars nerd. <laughs> I'm not going to claim to be. That's why I am thankful <laughs> that this show doesn't require me to be a steroid, ster- steroid, oh ster- Star Wars nerd to have to explain everything to her. This show operates on its own with characters kind of generally built in this in this storyline with challenges and obstacles built in this that she can enjoy. I love that. I It does also make me very excited about watching Star Wars with her. I have made the promise the first snow day where they don't have any school uh, and I can, you know, not have to go to work. We are watching the first, uh, you know, episode four, the first original Star Wars movie because she's ready for it. Um and I'm excited for that, but I've, we've really enjoyed Mandalorian and, um, I, the whole family's into it. I mean, even, even the younger, 
of my kids enjoy watching it, but my oldest is just so she wants to have conversations about it after it. And I, I really enjoy it. Okay, point of order before I talk about the Mandalorian. You think snow days are still going to be a thing? I think that there is a. I I've I've been privy to some inside information that they will exist huh. if we get enough snow. That is shocking to me because I kind of thought snow days were a thing of the past. There's with... going to be a lot more days of no going to the school, from what I understand. But I'll let I'll let that officially be announced and not and not say too much about it here. But there will be days that there won't be any school activities, and we're gonna have. We're going to watch Star Wars, and I'm going to be excited about it. Okay. My wife's never really seen them, <gasps> and so I'm going to rope her in, And but I'm excited. I, I like I like Star Wars. I'm not a Star Wars nerd. I don't dress up to go see the films. I try to go the opening weekend for them. Um, I go with my dad and my brother-in-law, and it's like the only thing we really go and do on our own because we all have kids. Or, I mean, my brother-in-law does. My, my dad, I'm his kid. Um, but... I don't know. True. I enjoy it. I, and and even the newer films that people like to trash, like I find them entertaining and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know the Han Solo movie wasn't the greatest. No. I, I enjoyed going out to the movies with my family and seeing it. Is it my mm-hmm. favorite? No, but it's fine. I have fun. I watch them. I, I, so I'm, this is why I like Mandalorian. I don't even have to leave the house. It's every week. Uh, this is the first time I've watched a TV show weekly in a long time i'm usually last year for mandalorian i waited till i could binge it so it has me you know going back to the days of old of watching a new episode once a week we're enjoying it i i think the mandalorian and you touched on it will stay good if they can avoid bringing in too many already established characters from other parts of the star wars universe i think when they start bringing in more and more of those is when they're going to run into problems. It's the problems that they got into with some of the other ones eventually when they made the movies in the order they made them. It's continuity stuff. Because for certain stuff to happen, you already know. Like, okay, so for instance, we all knew Anakin wasn't getting killed in his battle with Obi-Wan because Anakin becomes Darth Vader. So that lightsaber battle, I mean, you're like, oh, okay, well, I know Obi-Wan's fine because I've seen him in the later Star Wars movies. I know Anakin becomes Darth Vader because I've seen him in other Star Wars movies. So what's going to happen here? Rogue One. I know none of those characters, I'm recognizing their names, so I know they all have to die. So <laughs> I, I'm not getting too attached you know to these people. Like Going into that episode, I don't know if I... I don't know if I accepted that in the in the like oh, when it happened, Let me tell you if that I didn't like, happen like, well, I yeah. would have screamed. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I was more in the moment then. I wasn't really analyzing that. I you know, and a lot of things I think I, you know, I watch TV shows that are confusing and I try to figure them out. I watched Lost, you know, like I'm I'm into that and trying to figure it out and know what's going on. I think with Star Wars I just kind of sit back and throw popcorn towards my mouth and just enjoy what's in front yeah, of me. There's a story I don't, being told. I'm not to obsessed with the Star Wars universe to any degree. And I'm not saying you're obsessed, but like, I don't really keep track of the Star Wars universe. So like, I don't always just bring all the logic that exists to a situation and, and know that. So, okay. So I, I actually thought this week's episode was really good. I'm going to tell a thing about the episode. That's going to not provide any real spoilers, but Carl Weathers directed it. No, um, there's a line in the there's a line in this week's episode that Brad and I both we synced up the Disney Plus press play at the uh, same time and watched it. 
both of us at it the same well. time. It was supposed to be a heartfelt moment of the episode, and both of us busted out laughing as soon as the character has this heartfelt moment with another character. So the female character from the previous season is saying, you find out she is from um, Alderaan, or she grew up on Alderaan. Well, this rebel pilot is like, I served on Alderaan. Did you lose anyone? And Brad and I both bust out laughing. So if you're not familiar with the Star Wars story, in, I believe it's, yeah, it's A New Hope. Alderaan gets blown up by the Death Star. Darth Vader blows up the planet of Alderaan. Spoiler alert. Uh, if you haven't seen A New Hope by now, you're probably not going to see it. But anyway, blows up Alderaan. So the fact that the rebel pilot goes, did you lose anyone on Alderaan? Does someone who grew up on Alderaan? Oh, no. You know what was crazy? My parents were the lone survivors in a planet being exploded. Everyone else died. Not, I thought it was Empire Strikes Back. I busted out laughing. No, 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 no. I'm, I am almost positive it's A New Hope. Because he has, remember, he has Princess Leia captured. And that's like the whole thing about A New Hope is Luke Skywalker has to go rescue her. Okay, I'll, I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing that. Okay, but I thought the season's been good. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was a funny moment. Like, yeah, no one's gonna survive that. I I just busted out laughing. I was like, what an inappropriate question. What a dumb question. <laughs> Did you lose yeah. anyone? Oh no, uh, an entire planet exploded. I didn't lose anyone on the planet I grew up on. No one I knew you died. Also, you also hit on my one of my only few issues. I don't have much negative to say about this show because I take it for what it is and enjoy it. The actress in that role, um, I think, met a physical criteria for the character and maybe not an acting ability criteria for that role because she it's like grinding teeth uh, watching her try to get through through some of this. Um, I like I like see that that hasn't necessarily bothered me. I've been okay with her character. Her character is a brute. I'm fine with that. Yeah, she has. I, I think the tweet that I saw was that she has less range than the dude beside her in the mask. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> the dude that has no facial reactions is bringing more reactions than this actress that is, yeah. uh, has an uncovered face, which, and I think it was an accurate uh, description, but I thought, I think the season's going well. Like I like, I like the quality it's bringing. It has been a lot of um, like singular missions happening, which we saw in the first season, particularly late in the season. Um, but it's building like there's a continual storyline and uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see how it, it goes. So what is dominating my life in addition to the Mandalorian is Queen's Gambit on Netflix. I finished it. Uh, I started it two weeks ago, finished it last week. Um, and it was it's about seven episodes. It's a limited series. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. I thought the writing was good. I thought the story was good. Uh, the lead was super strong in the show. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm not a person who plays chess. Um, so it's not like that's what drew me in was chess. I had heard about, you know, everyone I had talked to that had seen it said, this is really good. This is really good. So I finally gave it a chance. I recommended it to Patrick. Patrick uh, mentioned that that was one of the contenders. Uh, and he did watch it last week. He finished it last week. Um, and he said he liked it. So there's another uh, positive review for you. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you have time, definitely Queen's Gambit is something that you can watch. Um, there is some adult stuff going on um, in certain parts of the show, but it is a, I, again, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a great story and um, can't recommend it enough. Yeah. 
it's on our list. Uh, it's out in front of us. We kind of powered through a New Girl rewatch because we had never seen like the last season, basically, of New Girl. Uh, so we got all that done. Uh, I still recommend the first three seasons and maybe not the uh, second three, <laughs> the four, five, and six as much. Um, but uh, Queen's Gambit's on the list. And uh, I had heard a lot of positive reviews from what Patrick said um, and other stuff on Twitter. So it's kind of on our list ahead of us that we're going to maybe try to catch it. And seven episodes is doable probably for us. So um, I'm glad you didn't spoil it. Yeah. Um, what I need, what I know that you need to know, Liverpool versus Leicester was this weekend. I was going into this match terrified. Leicester's at the top of the table. Liverpool came into that match second. But Liverpool is also missing six starters through COVID protocol and uh, injuries that have just piled up. And when I say six starters, I mean like six of 11 starters were out. And um, you're missing Mohamed Salah, who is one of the uh, prolific goal scorers of that team. You're missing some midfielders. You're missing basically three-fourths of your back line. Uh, But to their credit, they came in. They got a clean sheet. They dominated that match from start to finish against Leicester. Uh, And I've been super impressed with the job Jurgen Klopp has done since he's gotten to Liverpool. But I think this weekend was just another example of how much depth he's been able to put on that club. And to have the people that you have to play and the kind of quality you're missing in your back line at the start that are, that are starters to not have those guys and still go out and get a clean sheet. And then on the other end, put up three goals is just phenomenal. And I think we talk about, you know, bad coaches like Justin Fuente in terms of soccer managers, Jurgen Klopp is one of the best in the world and he proves it every single time. Liverpool steps on a pitch because he just gets the most out of those players, whether they're fill-ins, young players, like some of these guys are just absolutely players that that are pulled off the youth academy not a year and a half ago. So to get what he's getting out of there uh, is amazing. I love watching Liverpool play. I spent part of my Sunday watching that instead of the Ravens uh, Titans via red zone because I just kind of had a feeling that was going to even when we were winning, I was nervous that something bad was going to happen, and then it did. But Liverpool, I didn't feel that. I felt nervous going in, but once we got the lead, we got a second goal right before halftime to make it 2-0. I kind of felt from that point on it was going to be cruise control for Liverpool, and it was. Awesome. I turned on Monday Night Football while you were talking oh, who 24-24 with three minutes to go. So Yawn fast. Uh, an interesting game. When you, By the time you guys listen to this, you'll know what happened in that Monday Night Football game. It's a good one. Boo. All right. Uh, Thanksgiving is this week. And, uh, yeah, for us, it's going to be a little different. Our plans are just a little bit different. We're not a family that we don't travel out of state or way up the road or anything. We kind of have a six-minute uh, – radius that we can travel in for for uh, thanksgiving so really the big travel wasn't a big part but um the heads of decision making within the families that come together on thanksgiving on the mccray side uh adjusted the plans this year and uh so we won't be seeing some of the people that we're used to seeing on thanksgiving which is a shame but you know i think a lot of people are probably dealing with worse changes this year uh there's 250 uh thousand people that are dealing with a heck of a difference for Thanksgiving this year. So you kind of have to think about 
uh, those families, when you think about complaining about how things are different for you, for that's how I kind of look at it. But also other people with that are more lonely than than I'll be on Thanksgiving. I have uh, a family full of people that I'm going to be glad to spend Thanksgiving with, um, still be able to get over to my parents and still be able to get to my wife's parents because uh, they've kind of operated within our uh, chosen bubble from the beginning. So we still have some things to go, still going to get some good meals. Uh, and so, but, you know, I'm thankful for what we, who we do get to see. Um, we've cut out, you know, it was more than just Thanksgiving day, some other Thanksgiving related activity with people that we just had to kind of limit this year. So, uh, it's different, but it's going to be fine. And, uh, I'm excited for, uh, what we can do. And, um, so that's, that's where I'm at on Thanksgiving this year. You know, last year I I went off about my llamas. That is one thing I'm going to miss the llama beans that are my favorite, part of uh, one of my Thanksgiving meals. I'm going to miss that one this year. Um, but I, it just means I'm going to eat twice as much next year, right? What a terrible thing to be excited about. They're good, man. It's all butter. I mean, the beans barely play a role in it. <laughs> it's I just, just this buttery cream sauce. That's I cannot amazing. imagine living in a world where I'm excited about lima beans. They're I know so these, you know, there's an infinite universe theory. I don't think in the infinite number of universes that there is a universe where I'm excited about lima beans. I just, I don't believe that universe exists. I don't mind. I mean, I I like a bean. I, you know, I like the summer baked beans. I like, um, green beans in a a pinch in a pinch. I don't like, I don't like green beans as much as others because of the, uh, trauma that I've been through in my past, trying to prepare green beans from straight from the garden, having to pick them, bend over and, you know, picking one at a time and then snapping it. It's just ridiculous. So I actually think about that every time I eat them. So I'm not into green beans as much, but um, I'm telling you the, the llama bean plays very little role in this, in this prepared dish. And uh, it's the buttery cream sauce. I think if you put, I mean, you could put Brussels sprouts in this buttery cream sauce and it'd still be amazing. So uh, it's, that's, that's saying a lot for the, the effort going into them. I don't know. I've never had it, and I'm just saying you're using words like lima beans and Brussels sprouts and stuff. Like I don't know. Lima beans are good though. Lima beans aren't like terrible on their own. Like Brussels sprouts, yes. I get it. It has a flavor that people don't like. Lima no. beans are fine. Lima beans are also disgusting. Um, disgusting. It's a bean. Yep. Uh, that's my point. Uh, but Thanksgiving is going to be different for me too. Uh, it's going to be a lot smaller. Um, luckily. My mom doesn't live that far away, so I'm still able to get up and visit her. Uh, and then there's an uncle of ours that doesn't, um, it's just him. So uh, yeah. it'll be a small family gathering that we have to do. Unfortunately, uh, due to the pandemic, uh, my brother's not looking like he'll be able to make it this year, um, just given what he does in his line of work. So that will suck. But, um, you know, it's it. there is a pandemic, and we recognize that. And uh, we're just trying to make the best of a tough situation. I think our families. Uh, planning the family that usually gets together is on my mom's side. So we're all planning kind of, uh, a Skype video session at a certain point in the day to kind of be able to see each other and make the best of a bad situation. And then, uh, maybe play some Jackbox party games or something, uh, to have a family game like we usually do on Thanksgiving anyway. So we're going to, we're going to try it and see what happens. Um, but yeah, it's definitely different. And, um, I feel bad for the people that like live in LA and they're from Oklahoma and like have to contend with potential air travel and that kind of like 
that's tough. And especially if, you know, you don't have a lot of friends uh, where you're at now. Like, I, I'm glad I don't have, I've not set my life up to have that situation. I'm glad, um, you know, I think some people make fun of people that don't ever leave. I'm one of those people and it, it really pays off when it comes to holidays, when you're not <laughs> traveling hours on the road and not, not knocking you. I mean, you're uh, blazing your own trails down here, but it's handy for us. And then also childcare. I can just throw my, throw some kids and some grandparents and call it good and normal, you know, and mostly talking normal times of uh, going out and about, but yeah, it's, we're lucky. And uh, that's what I'm thankful for is just how lucky we are uh, to have the situations we do and, and be able to have at least some kind of Thanksgiving and uh, it'll be good. Yeah. I'm not going to shame people for holidays. No, either. People got to make their own decisions. I mean, it is really kind of your own decision thing. I would say, listen to the experts and try to keep it as small as possible and be as safe as possible while you're doing it. But I'm, I'm not going to be one of these. I, I've already seen some people like trying to shame other people for getting together. And I'm no, like, no, that's not my intent here. It's family. I don't know. I'm gonna have a hard time shaming people over that. But, um, so we hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod, or email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Interact with us on there when we post this episode. Let us know what you think. Uh, if you still think Justin Fuente needs more time, please. <laughs> Please explain We're not yourself. Be your best audience for that. <laughs> Please explain yourself because I would love to try to understand that. And then also, um, I would assume Jeff Wright is is hoping we keep him. I would assume that. Well, I get his out. Al- yeah, used to root for Al Groh and and Mike London to stay there forever. So. I get his uh, ulterior motives there, but yeah. <laughs> If you're a Virginia Tech fan and you think Justin Fuente <laughs> needs more time, please explain yourself. And then um, just know that I am going to report you to the police because there's no way you're not on some kind of hard drugs. But you can also subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you don't miss another episode. And uh, as Leland said... Very thankful that Virginia Tech won't have to lose this weekend. And um, if the Ravens do play on Thanksgiving, that'll probably shut it off halfway through the game. But I'll be watching. I'll be texting you nonstop. I'll block your number. I don't care. Um, <laughs> until next week, <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Exports Podcast. And have a happy Thanksgiving, folks. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. 